Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you that through your word you've given us life, you've given us blessing upon blessing. You have blessed us with deliverance, with revelation knowledge, and all of these wonderful blessings comes through your word. And so as we sit at your feet this morning, we pray that your word will be made clear to us. We pray for an additional anointing of revelation knowledge and spiritual understanding in regards to what you're emphasizing and speaking to us in this season in our lives. We thank you for open ears and open heart and open eyes to see truth and embrace the truth that will change us into the likeness of Christ. So we thank you for today's ministry of the Word. We receive it by faith. And we decree and declare that we will be doers of the word and not just hearers only in accordance with your word. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. We are continuing our series of teaching and on enlarging our capacity of reception. Today we're doing part five. Hopefully I will finish next week, the Lord willing. And the title of this message is The Path to Knowledge, Part 2. So let's read again together our foundational scriptures that are found in Isaiah 54. Please put that word up, Siobhan. Have it up there so that people can read it even before I mention it. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3, and I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. Sing, O barren one... You who did not bear, and break forth into singing, and cry aloud, You who did not travail with child. For the spiritual children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes, For you will spread abroad to the right hand and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. In these current series of teaching, we are learning from the Lord, from His Word and His Spirit, how to enlarge our ability or capacity to receive more from God, and to adequately prepare to experience more of God's presence, more of God's intervention in our lives. Because the Lord has spoken and He said, I have much more to give you than what you have already experienced or what you have already known of me and about me. Now, you may have been walking with the Lord for a year, five years, ten years, forty years, We always learn. We always have room to grow. And we always need to make room for more of God in our lives. Would you agree with that statement? Now, let me say this. There is such a thing as ownership by promise and ownership by possession. I want you to write that down because this is very important. God promised us many things. They belong to us by promise. But not all of the things that God promised belong to us by possession and experience. I'll give you an example. God promised the children of Israel a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But they, they didn't possess that land unless and until they went in, 
dispossess the enemy and possess the land for themselves. Amen? The land was theirs by promise, but it was not theirs by possession until they went in, marched into that land and possessed it. And as you well know, a whole generation died without ever experiencing or possessing that beautiful land that was flowing with milk and honey. The same it is with us. Amen? Now, divine healing and health, for example, belongs to us by promise. The Word of God says that He Himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By His stripes ye were healed, past tense. So healing and divine health belongs to the children of God. Am I right? Praise God. It belongs to us by promise. It is ours. Length of days belong to us. Because God said in Psalm 91, With long life I will satisfy you and I will show you my salvation. So that is what we call longevity of life that belongs to you and I by promise. The fullness of the Holy Spirit belongs to us by promise because God promised divine prosperity for all of His children. Amen? Divine protection, divine guidance, all of these blessings are ours by promise. Let me ask you a question. How many of us, though, are walking and experiencing all of these blessings? Not many. Why? Because just because God promised you something, that does not mean it will instantly materialize in your life and you will experience it without you doing anything about it. Are you with me? A number of years ago, I was on a lengthy fast, and I was seeking some answers from the Lord. And one of the things the Lord showed me or answered me concerning my question was, was this. This is what He said. The only reason my people are deprived of my blessing is because they are content to live without it. Did you hear that? Because we are satisfied and we are content to live without the fullness of the blessing of God. And then he asked me a question. How badly do you want the fullness of my blessing? How desperate are you? I'm asking you today the same question. How badly do we want something? Do you really want it? How big is your want? Amen? Some of us are trying to lose some weight. <laughs> but I have a problem with my want. <laughs> my want <laughs> is not that big. Hello? Someone said, we all, sooner or later, must answer three questions. I have read that in the notes that Dion sent me last week. These are the three questions we need to ask, all of us. What do we want? Why do we want it? And how badly do we want it? Good questions to ask yourself. What do you want from God? Why do you want it? And how badly do we want it? You with me? Amen. Now, Isaiah 54 promised us an acceleration of blessing, a multiplication of growth, which will result not just in our corporate spiritual family, but in our own individual lives. 
God says, prepare because I have much more to give you. I want to bless you so much so that I would, to that point where I would present you as a showcase to the world. Where the world would look at you and look at your family and you get your life and say, this person is blessed of God. Amen? That's what God wants to do in our lives. Bless us so much that will make the worldly people jealous of us. That they will want to know why we are so blessed. Why do we have so much peace in a turbulent world? What is the secret of our unshakable faith? And so they will be attracted to us because they see the glory of God and the blessing of God upon our lives. That's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. The question is, how much and how badly do we want that? Amen? The difference between ownership by promise and ownership by possession is a word called faith. F-A-I-T-H. The children of Israel could not possess the land of promise because, the Bible says, of their unbelief. They didn't believe God. So the difference between ownership by promise, that we all are, and ownership by possession is the word called faith. Would you agree with me? Amen. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.33, can you put that up please, Siobhan? That we possess the promises of God by faith. Hebrews 11.33 says, who through faith, speaking of men and women of faith, they subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness, and they obtained promises. And they've even stopped the mouths of lions. How did they do that? The Bible says they did it through faith. Amen? Now, the call to possess for what God has promised requires, remember what we taught in the last two weeks? Developed and unshakable faith. Do you remember that? Not just faith, but developed faith, mature faith. Faith that is not shakable. And faith that is not shakable is the result of personal and intimate knowledge of God and His Word. Are you with me? You remember that? Now, May I remind you of Paul's unshakable faith, the secret to his faith? We read it, let's read it again. It's not, it's not boring for me to repeat the same things over and over to you. I mean, Paul said the same thing to the Philippians. Jesus said, again I say to you. Repetition is the mother of learning. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For this reason, Paul says, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know. Underline that word. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Not only did he know in whom he believed, that is the Lord, but he was fully persuaded, fully convinced that what God promised he was able to perform. And Paul's faith was tremendously opposed and persecuted, yet he remained steadfast and unshakable in his faith in God. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going over this principle again and again because I want you to get it down into your spirit. Strong faith, developed faith, unshakable faith is the result of knowledge. An intimate knowledge of God and His Word. Daniel 11.32 says, But the people who know their God will do what? Shall be strong. The people who know their God, I'm reading from the New King James Version, 
shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now, let me emphasize once again that the kind of knowledge we are talking about is not head knowledge, but revelation knowledge. In the Greek language, it's easy to differentiate the two. One is gnosis, head knowledge. The other is epignosis, which is heart knowledge, knowledge from experience. Now, there is a major difference between knowing what the Word of God says and knowing the Word Himself. This is very deep. Now, for instance, let me give you an example. You may know what I said about a specific situation. but you may not know me. Is that possible? To know me means that you have intimate knowledge of my person because you have walked with me. You know who I am. You know what I think. You know what my character is like. You know, presidents of major countries, powerful countries today, issue statements. You may know what they say, but you do not know the person themselves. And a lot of people know what the Word says, but they do not know the author of the Word or the Word himself. Let me give you another example, because this is, this is very important. Someone may call you on the phone and say to you, my name is so-and-so, and I live at such-and-such such a place. If you will show up on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, I will give you 10,000 rand. Would you go? How many of you would go? You would go, Dion? Wow, I wouldn't. Why? Because I don't know who that person is. But if I call you and say, good morning, you know me, you know my voice. And I say to every one of you who knows who I am, who knows me, if you show up at my house on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, I will give you 10,000 rand. How many of you would come? Why? Because you know me. I didn't catch that, Ron. What did you? Yes, I would have to specify which Saturday. You would go because you know me. You guys have walked with me, some of you, for many years. The more you know me, the more you will believe me. The more you know me, the more you will trust me. The more you know me, the more unshakable your confidence is in my word. Because you know I keep my word. Hello? Many people know what the word says. Even the devil does. Unbelievers do, but not many know the Word Himself who has spoken and given us those promises. That is why I say to you, if you want your faith to become mature, unshakable, persuaded, fully persuaded, you're going to have to come to that personal, intimate knowledge of the One who promised you. You've got to have an experience with the one who promises because you've walked with him. You've lived with him. Amen? You've had previous experiences of the Lord who walked with you and you walked with him. Amen? There's the difference between knowing what the Word says and many believers know what the Word says. But I'm sorry to say they have no personal intimate knowledge of the one who authored that word. That is why they have a, a, a major difficulty with trusting God and trusting his word. Because they do not know him to the extent they should. And that's why we are on this quest to obtain the kind of knowledge that is required for our faith to be unshakable and mature. And remember, we've already touched on it last week. And the path to the knowledge of God, to that revelation knowledge, 
is revealed to us in Proverbs chapter 2, the first six verses. And we've already dipped into that. Let's look at it again from the top. God is speaking to us concerning how to obtain this kind of knowledge that matures our faith and makes it so strong that it becomes unshakable in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, in the face of strong resistance. And believe me, your faith will come under attack. Otherwise, it is not genuine. Amen? Your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tried, whether you really believe what you say you believe. And if it's not worth the test, then it's not genuine faith. That's what Peter says. Amen? Let's read. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom and inclining and directing your heart and mind to understanding applying all your powers to the quest for it. Yes, if you cry out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for hidden treasures, then only you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Last week, if you were here, we have examined the difference between receiving the Word and treasuring it. Many receive the Word of God, but they do not treasure it. To treasure means to obey, to submit to. To bring your life, your whole existence, your mind, your words, your actions under the lordship of the word of Jesus. That's what it means to treasure. Not just hearing it and receiving it and agreeing with it, but practicing it. Amen? We won't go into that again. Today we're going to look at the second instruction that is given us in finding this precious revelation knowledge that we're talking about. The second instruction says, making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom and inclining and direct your heart and your mind towards understanding it. These two words, attend to and direct your heart and mind towards, are very important if we are to acquire the knowledge of God. Now, to attend to means to incline your ear. To incline and attend your ear means that you pay attention to what God is saying. Many times my wife is talking to me. I hear the sound of her voice. But if she asks me, what did I just say to you? Eesh, I'm in trouble. I heard what she said but I didn't listen. I wasn't paying attention. Why? Because my mind was somewhere else. How many of you husbands do that? <laughs> so I'm not the only one. And she often tests, what did, you, what did I just say to you? Are you listening to me? Now paying attention requires primarily focus and concentration. God is speaking all the time. He's never quiet. The question is, who is paying attention and listening to what he's saying? He's speaking through his word. He's speaking to you this morning through his messenger. He's speaking through nature. He's speaking through circumstances. He's speaking through the gifts of the Spirit. He's speaking through your conscience so often. Speaks to us. The question is, who's listening? Who's paying attention? In order to hear and discern clearly what the Spirit is saying, one has to Pay attention. 
That is why the direction is attend. Attend to my words. Pay attention. Listen. Our attention is so often diverted or interrupted by worldly affairs, by politics, by circumstances, by the cares of this world and the challenges we face every single day. They easily take our focus and our attention off of what God is saying. If we allow the cares of this world to distract us, divert our attention from the Word, then we are removed from the place of being able to hear and receive the heavenly voice. And believe me, folks, this is a struggle. It's not easy to do. If it was easy to do, everybody, every one of us would be doing it. It requires effort. It requires discipline to keep your focus on what God is saying. Amen? Now, in reality, you're going to have to make an effort to pay attention and discipline your mind. The noisy world we live in and its distractions, as well as the many, many voices that come to us. Many voices come to us every day. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Your body speaks to you. The devil tries to put thoughts into your mind. Other people are speaking to you. Circumstances are speaking to you. The newscasters are speaking to you all the time. Have you noticed how panic has already set in the hearts and minds of the Cape Tonians concerning water? Hello. <laughs> in our shopping center, I go to shop sometimes, and I see the queue lining up for water is getting longer and longer and longer. You know, I have a scripture for you to stand on. Do you want to know what that is? Isaiah 58, God promises me that if I walk in his will, this is what he will do. He said, you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And he said, I will satisfy your soul in drought and dry places and make your bones fat. Don't let fear dictate what you're going to do. Believe God. Trust God. Amen? Amen? You are a child of God, aren't you? Let's believe God together. That no matter what happens, God will take care of His own. And God will take care of those who believe. Amen? Remember, Elijah was under severe drought. He was a man of God, a messenger of God. Many people died as a result of the drought. But Elijah was fed, he was taken care of. Why? Because he was paying attention to what God was saying to him. And twice the Lord repositioned him. He said, now pick up your things from here and go down there. And after a while he said, pick up your things and go to the widow in Zarephah. I have provided and I've commanded her to feed you and take care of you. Why was he able to be taken care of? Because he was paying attention to the one who anointed him and called him. You are the anointed of God. You are the called of God. And you need to pay attention to what God is saying and not what the news are saying. Lord, what are you saying to me? Hello? Concentration on God's word. Now, Amidst all of these voices, we need to learn how to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. A stranger, they will not follow. Too many of us are following the voices of strangers. We make decisions based on the voices of strangers rather than the voice of the Good Shepherd. This is the primary reason why the Lord often would call us to pull aside from time to time and give an opportunity to our mind and our body to sit quietly and be able to hear what God is saying to us. The Scripture says in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still. And know that I am God. Knowledge 
is often received when the mind and the body grow silent and quiet. And believe me, to quieten the body is very easy. You just have to sit. But to quieten the mind is not that easy. It takes discipline. You may be sitting down, but your mind is all over the place. You worry about this, you worry about that, you're concerned about this one, you're concerned about your child, you're concerned about your work, you're concerned about so many concerns. We need to learn to quieten the mind. And in the stillness of our soul and our mind, the Spirit of God has an opportunity to rise up and begin to minister to us the word of life. You need direction, he'll give it to you. You need encouragement, he'll give it to you. Amen? And we need to practice this on a regular basis. For me, the best times to listen to the Lord is in the morning. When I'm fresh, when I'm wide awake. That's my best times. And I make it a practice that I listen I sit quietly, I meditate, I read the Word, I think upon what God said, and in the stillness and quietness of my soul, I hear the Spirit speaking, encouraging, directing. I cannot tell you how often I've received encouragement, direction, refreshing, rejuvenating my faith through those still, quiet times that I have with the Lord. You should make it a habit. Amen? No, nothing can substitute that. No pastor, no preacher, no one else. You cannot substitute you hearing the voice of God with anything else. Amen? So my prayer is that God will teach us to be quiet, to be silent in the presence of the Lord. Where do you think I get this teaching from? I haven't read it from a book. I, I didn't Google it. You know, you know, many pastors, they go to Google and they obtain sermons for $5. Why? Because they're too lazy to sit before God and hear what God is saying to them and to their flock and feed the congregation with the wholesome word of life. Amen? I tell you, your mind will be blown by what you hear from God. If you will take the time and discipline yourself to pull aside as often as possible and sit quietly, you don't have to pray much. Just say, Lord, here I am today. I just want to have fellowship with you. I don't want anything from you. I just love your presence. And I enjoy having fellowship with your word. How do you have fellowship with God? Through his word by meditating in His Word, by thinking of what God promised you, by keeping your focus and your attention on God, that's how your faith is nourished. Amen? The Bible says that God's Spirit is within our spirits, not in our mind or in our body. When He communicates with us, He does not shout, but His communication is so quiet and so gentle. Scripture says, listen to what Isaiah says in 42 verse 1. This is how the Lord speaks. Isaiah 42 verse 1 says, He will not cry out, nor raise His voice. He doesn't shout. Hello. Not like us. I, I told you the story. Many years ago, I don't know, we were talking about something or having a conversation with my wife, and all of a sudden she raised her voice to such an extent, and I was offended. I said, God, why does she have to raise her voice at me? She said, because that's the only way you listen. <laughs> now, God is not like us. He doesn't shout. He doesn't raise his voice. Look, look what he says. Nor does he cause his voice to be heard in the street. This is the nature of Jesus, folks. This is the nature of the Holy Spirit. He's so gentle and so quiet, and if you're not quiet and still, you're going to miss what he's communicating. I cannot stress this enough. 
People would rather go to someone else and say, what do you think I should do? Never make decisions for other people because they're going to blame you. Now, if someone comes for counsel, the first thing I would say to them, what does the Spirit say to you? I would point them directly to the Lord. What is the Lord saying to you? What has He whispered to you? What has He promised to you? And help them by steering them in the right direction. You make decisions for other people, you will soon be in trouble. Hello? And many people don't want to make decisions. They want to avoid that responsibility, go to someone else to tell them what to do. Hello? We need to grow up. The Bible says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does the Lord tell you to do? Amen. That's how I disciple my spiritual sons and daughters. The other day I had a phone call. Pastor, what do you think I should do? I said, you go pray. Ask the Lord, what do you think you should do? And what he tells you, do it. Hello. A number of years ago, Michael came to me and he said, Pastor, now that was many years ago. He was just beginning to find his place. I got this fantastic offer that I would, the, uh, a touring company would employ me and I would be the tour guide and I would travel overseas and, and, and take people on tours and visit many different places. And I must tell you, he was very tempted by this offer because he loves traveling. He loves running around to all these places, seeing all these beautiful places. Me, I sit in my room and I say, Dad, you want to come? We want to go and see. No, I said, you go, I'll stay here. Thank God I advised him correctly. I said, you go to the Lord, you talk to him. What does he say? Well, he did that. He went and prayed and came back with a, with a scripture verse. Don't tell me, you must be able to prove through the written word what God said to you. The Lord spoke to me, Pastor, through this verse in, 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 the, in, the, in the letter to the Corinthians, and he said, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable for me. Well, I said, what do you think God is saying? That this, this offer is not profitable for me. Thank God he made the right choice. Are you listening to me? You go to the Lord, you talk to God, and you come up with what he says. And don't leave his, pre his presence until you know. You know. Because some people are assuming that God said. God told me. What did he tell you? This and this and this. Can you prove it with Scripture to me? If you can't, then just leave it alone until God speaks clearly and confirms by the mouth of two or three witnesses. This way we're safely walking in the will of God. Let's move on. I believe that those who have learned the art of listening to their spirits or the inward man have been able to walk in the will of God and as a result of that, they have prospered in every sphere of life. That's the secret. The second part of that verse says, direct your heart and mind towards understanding. Let's look at it again. From two Proverbs. Making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom and inclining... Notice, and directing your heart and mind to understanding. Let's analyze those words. These words have meaning. God didn't just put certain words in the Bible for the sake of filling the pages. Each word has a meaning. And we must read not just the word, but the power that is in that word. Amen? Direct, he says, speaking to you and I, your heart and your mind towards understanding. To direct means to guide towards or to give authoritative instruction. That's what direct means. Guide towards or 
give authoritative instruction to your mind and to your heart towards a certain goal. Towards what? Towards understanding what God is saying. Now, this is where discipline is needed when it comes to our thoughts as well as our emotions and gently direct them or, if necessary, take authoritative action towards guiding them to what God is saying and understanding what God is saying. Amen? Why is he saying that? When you meditate the Word, you need to ask certain questions. Who is God speaking to? And if he's speaking to you, what is he saying? And it is through meditation that you hear and receive the voice of the Spirit. Now, the Bible teaches us that he has given us mighty weapons to do what? To cast down thoughts imaginations, and arguments that do not agree with the Word of God. In other words, they rise above the knowledge of God. They disagree with the thoughts of God. And the Word says we have that weapons, that what we do with them is to bring those thoughts down and steer them towards obedience to Christ. Do you want to see where that is written? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, yes, we are in this flesh, we walk in the flesh, we do not war or fight according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for doing what? For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And let me say this. You know that. Your greatest battles are fought in the arena of your mind. Here, between our two ears. He who controls the mind controls the person. Do you agree with that? What you constantly think upon, you will end up doing. Adultery, fornication, or any other sin does not just happen. It begins in the mind. You entertain those thoughts, you will end up walking in them. So where the mind goes, the person will go. That's why the devil targets your thought life, your mind. And if we don't take authority or direct our minds toward the thoughts of God, someone else will do it for us. Are you listening to me? Your mind is your mind. God is not going to do anything about your mind. You're going to have to do something about it. Many, many believers waiting on God to do something about their thoughts or do something about the way they think. No, God is not going to do anything about what He instructed us to do. He said, you renew your mind. You take captive every thought that does not agree with my word and bring it into captivity and make it obey Christ the Lord. Are you with me? Now, that takes discipline. The New Testament has so much to say about the thoughts that we think or the thoughts that we should think. Listen to what he says in Philippians 4.8, and we're going to read it from two different translations. First, the New King James Version says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is any pra anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. To meditate means to constantly think upon. 
The New Living Translation says it this way. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's very clear, isn't it? Something might be true, but it might not be praiseworthy. So don't think about it. Training our minds to think on what is pleasing to God is our responsibility and not God. Amen? Are you there? And let me give you the, the main cause, the main reason why many believers are unable to discern the will of God in their lives. They are unable to hear what God is saying, and the reason being is because they have not taken the time to renew their thoughts with God's thoughts. Often God will speak to you through their thoughts. Yesterday I was in prayer and fasting with one of my spiritual sons. We were seeking God for something. The moment we sat down and we began to pray, after a few minutes, a scripture came into my mind. The light was turned on. And immediately I knew what God was saying to me in relation to what we were praying about. Now, if you have not taken the time to study the word, how will God speak to you? If you don't speak his language. Huh? There will be miscommunication. God will be speaking, you will not be hearing. It's like I'm sitting in front of a German or a French person is speaking to me. I don't know what he's saying unless I have an interpreter. And many times God is speaking, but we're not hearing. We're not understanding what he's saying because we don't know his language. Are you there? Are you here? Many, many times. If I'm in need of direction, if I'm in need of... A scripture would pop into my mind. Why? Because I've taken the time to put it into my heart. What you put in, it's like your computer. What you put in will come out. Take some time and read some good books. Read the Bible. Meditate on His Word. And that's why believers, they are wondering, what is God saying to you? What's your purpose in life? I don't know, Pastor. Well, if you don't know, how will you fulfill it? What is God saying to you as a husband? What is God saying to you as a wife, as a father? What is he saying? Hello? If you don't know, how would you do it? Hello? Let's move on. We're finishing now. Romans 12 says, and verse 2, Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does transformation come in our lives? By changing the way we think. And replacing human, carnal, fleshly thoughts with God's thoughts. And God has a thought about everything. Every little thing in your life, He has an opinion about it. Then you will learn. Now, if you will change the way you think, the Bible says, you will learn to know the will of God. You won't have a problem in recognizing or discerning the will of God in your life. Does it say that? That will which is good and pleasing and perfect. Hallelujah. There you have it. What are you going to do with it? Let's pray. Can you stand with me? I want to lead you in a confession of faith.
Remember, we obtain the promises by faith. And faith, mature faith, unshakable faith, is the result of revelation knowledge. To obtain that knowledge, there are some things that we are required to engage in. The first one we've read last week is to receive and treasure His words. Number two is to pay attention and direct our mind, take authority over our mind, and direct it towards understanding what God is saying. Next week, we'll put the final instruction. Are you ready to pray? Can you pray from your heart and mean what you say? So let me lead you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for your spirit abiding in me. I also want to thank you for the mighty weapons you have given me so that I can take authority over my mind and bring my thoughts in obedience to your word. In the authority of Jesus, I pull down every stronghold of the enemy I demolish every arrogant thought and make it obedient to Christ. I rebuke every thought of doubt, unbelief, every thought of prejudice, every thought of fear. I resist it in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every thought of bitterness and unforgiveness. And I choose to think thoughts that are pure, honorable, and praiseworthy. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare today that my mind is daily renewed by the Word of God. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.